This is Digging for Truth, presented by the Associates for Biblical Research, demonstrating the historical reliability of the Bible through archaeological and biblical research. Have you ever seen in the news or in an article online about some major biblical relic that's been found? A group of Chinese and Turkish evangelical explorers claim this is Noah's Ark. The structure they've located is near the top of Mount Ararat in Turkey. Her find also provided independent confirmation of earlier evidence establishing wheel-like formations on both coasts of the Red Sea in accordance with descriptions in the biblical record. Using contacts we cannot disclose and methods we cannot disclose, we got to the forbidden sites. How many people have been where you were and have seen what you've seen? Well, there's been several that have been in the dig and seen the cutouts, the cross holes. But I'm the only one that has been in the chamber uh, with the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I've found myself wondering about some of these biblical mysteries. Going down rabbit trails on Wikipedia and YouTube. Was this thing found? Is it a hoax? How do you know who to trust when everyone seems to be an expert? Henry Smith is here with me, and maybe you can help talk about some of these things. Yeah. Like, for example, Noah's Ark. Has it been found? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of those big mysteries. It'd be nice if it was, but I've seen, I remember, was it 10, 15 years ago? There was this video of these guys going into, on Mount Ararat, they were inside the Ark. This dark wooden room could rewrite history. The people who found it claim it's a cabin inside Noah's Ark. We are like 99.9% like um, it is Noah's Ark. Yeah. A team of Chinese and Turkish explorers say they discovered the giant boat in 2009. It's buried in ice more than 4,000 metres above sea level on top of Mount Ararat in Turkey. It made national news and then later it came out, you know, that it was staged. But, you know, at the time, yeah. like it was making actual national <laughs> TV news. Yeah, there's, in there's an interest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's a really important question. There's a, there's a layers to your question, too. One of the things that ABR historically has wanted to do was try to help people in the church uh, be able to discern these things mm -hmm. by doing our own research. So if we do uh, research on a particular subject, or even just generally, if it's something we haven't specifically, you know, really dug into, just sort of urging people to be careful when they see stuff out on the internet. You know, the irony of the age we live in is we live in an age of information and more misinformation than any people in the history of the world, right? Yeah. So this is like the dual-edged sword of of the the age that we're in. And so it's it's difficult sometimes, you know, you get excited, you're a Christian, you got a Facebook uh, account and something comes through your feed, you know, they discovered Noah's Ark. Uh, okay, so, you know, go, go back 10 or 15 years when that moment in time came mm -hmm. and that thing flashes across your your Facebook feed, you're a Christian, oh, I found Noah's Ark, you're, you have an instant reaction to it and you share it. Yeah. It's understandable, like in some ways, right? Like you just share it because you're maybe a little impulsive, but for positive reasons because mm -hmm. you're you're excited. It looks plausible. Maybe it looks plausible, right? And then we find out later that it's not, and then you go back and probably hope that or wish that you hadn't shared it 
because it's not true information. We so so the idea here is to help the church, people in the church, to vet these kind of claims as part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we uh, we joke about it. We call it uh, you know pseudo archaeology or tabloid mm. archaeology. Mm. Uh, so, so we, I would say the general principle for the churchmen and ladies is when you see a claim about something that supports the Bible, just hit the pause button and do some more research and investigate it, vet it. Don't share it. Don't get overly excited. Don't get underly, 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 is that a word? Hmm. Uh, so, so sort of the general advice I would give is to just sort of like stay in the middle on it and kind of see if you're interested, pursue it, come to our website. Maybe we've talked about it before, you know, like the Noah's Ark, Mm -hmm. uh, scenario. Uh, so I think it's important for Christians to understand these big sensational stories that we've got to be careful, uh, just be careful about them. So in the case of Noah's Ark, you know, there's been a whole bunch of different theories out there. There's uh, the one theory was in Iran. Uh, there's a couple competing mountains, right, in the mountains of Ararat, because the biblical text doesn't say it's actually on Mount Ararat proper, the mountain that we call Mount Ararat today, but in uh-huh. the mountains. Uh, Urartu is the region that it was called in antiquity. So, you know, we've published some materials on our website sort of trying to put together arguments of where it might have landed based on historical evidence, based on eyewitness accounts and all that. Mm-hmm. But even then, we have to be sort of tentative about it because it's a shifty, mysterious thing, Noah's Ark. It seems like every time somebody thinks they've got something nailed down, it's it's sort of like this, uh, it's like nailing jello to the wall. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, the mountains are located in politically sensitive regions, you know, mm-hmm. during the Cold War. It was yeah. on the old Soviet border, so nobody from the West could get in there. And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's all kinds of different scenarios. So, as a general rule, I mean, it's exciting to me. I'd love to see, we'd all love to see Noah's Ark yeah. discovered or some proof or, or at least a remnant of the Ark. be a big deal. It would be. It would be an enormous deal. Um I mean, just think about that, because most of the world rejects uh, the story as historical, certainly. Uh, And in the church, there's a lot of people that think it's a regional flood or local flood or a mythological story that's intended to tell us some kind of truth, you know, so you have all those competing kind of things. So so I, I hope that's helpful as just a general sketch of the way we ought to approach such things. And we do want to approach them rigorously. Like I said, we've done some research on Noah's Ark. Rick Lancer in particular is one of our staff members, mm-hmm. has written a whole series of articles. You know, he's trying to to put together an investigative puzzle, which mm-hmm. I think is the right approach without the sensational claims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to take a short break. More Digging for Truth is coming up. Welcome back to Digging for Truth. We're talking about relics or biblical artifacts that people have claimed to have found or say they know where it is, like Noah's Ark, even though that hasn't been found. I've got a list of a couple more others here, Henry. Another one that I think a lot of Christians would love to know where it is, is Mount Sinai. You know, yeah. ha- has that has that been discovered yet? Have there's I've, if you look it up, someone says they've found it. But you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it. it uh, wow, what a! <laughs> it's like Noah's Ark. It's it's, it's mm. the same kind of can of worms, isn't uh-huh. it? A little bit more. 
I think concrete because the time period is much closer to us. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? So yeah. the Exodus events are thousands of years after. Yeah. After Noah's, Noah's Ark. So yeah. the further you get back in time, the harder it is to corroborate in a kind of historical material. And some of that is from, you know, the world that then was, as Peter called it. I mean, the Ark is the artifact, the only artifact left over from the pre-flood world. But in, in the case of the Exodus, you know, we have, we have closer, we have tradition, we have the biblical text, of course. Uh, tradition, like uh, in the Southern Sinai, we have uh, St. Catherine's Monastery, which is where the traditional location of okay. Mount Sinai is placed. Mm-hmm. Um, that tradition goes back to 4th century A.D., so that's still 1,800 years after after the fact. Mm-hmm. And there's been a critique of that, of that. It's too far off the route. The mountain's too high. You know, uh, th- those kinds of uh, critiques have been put against it. But that's a, that's a candidate. That's been a, okay. a candidate that's been discussed. Uh, there's the Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia theory, which is mm. out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the argument is that uh, Sinai was in Midian, and Midian extended into Saudi Arabia. Paul seems to associate the mountain with Arabia in the book of Galatians. Hmm. Uh, you have the question there, though, of, you know, is he talking about Arabia as we know it now, or what did he think of it back then? But the point of that is simply uh, you have people that advocate that position, and then a variety of different locations within the Sinai Peninsula itself. We, we've done some research. We've actually gone there years ago, and uh, found a mountain there that's in the sort of north-central Sinai that we think is a candidate, but we haven't been able to complete the research because of security in the Middle East and mm-hmm. various other uh, stumbling blocks. Some put it more over in the eastern part of the Sinai, mid, mid uh, excuse me, midwest part of the Sinai. So, um, I mean, you could, you could probably find at least 10 to 15 different proposals that are floating out there. So the question is, you know, which one is the right, yeah. is the right one. Again, though, I would just uh, encourage uh, wisdom and caution, particularly when, you know, somebody produces photographs or a video, you know, you have the classic, uh, you know, here's pictures of chariot wheels found at the bottom of the Gulf of Aqaba, mm-hmm. which is near, uh, is which is part of the Mount uh, Sinai in Arabia hypothesis. Okay. And so you'll see those floating out on the internet, you know, and somebody will put the picture up. Look, it's the chariot wheels, you know, and they're wheels in water. Yeah. So do they look like Egyptian chariot wheels? People have looked at it and said, no way, they do not. But even if they did look like Egyptian chariot wheels, all you have is a photograph of some wheels in water. Mm. Where the where did the photograph come from? How was it taken? Is it Was it taken under controlled scientific conditions in terms of an expedition mm-hmm. you know what's the origin of the photograph you know those are very reasonable questions i think that people should ask when they see those things i mean i've seen interactions of in you know facebook and places like that where people see that photo and they're just completely convinced those are the wheels from the chariots that went into the sea you know when the israelites crossed crossed the red crossed sea. and it you can't talk them out of it yeah, um, yeah i actually just saw a facebook post recently that they were talking about that, and there was a bunch of pic- different pictures of wheels and chariots, and yes, and- yeah. So, the, but the general rule of thumb here for our friends listening is, you know, if these things are interesting to you, you should pursue the study of them, but just be careful in terms of the sensational claims that are out there, mm-hmm. 
and just exercise wisdom and care as you walk through the arguments and try to figure out. It's exciting to think about where, where Mount Sinai is because if you find the mountain, mm-hmm. you know, you you say Moses was here. Yeah. That God came down from this mountain and mountains shook. You know, that's powerful stuff mm-hmm. experientially mm-hmm. to know that this place is where these momentous events took place. That's why we look for them. Yeah. You know, um, and why people get excited about them. But they can be, also become idols and we have to be careful. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get excited too, but you know, I'm just. I mean, thinking about it now. Would there other? Would there be even anything up there? Once you figure out what the mountain is, like I wouldn't think that there would necessarily be any archaeological evidence at the top. There might be something in you know at the base where they camped for a while. There probably isn't even that much evidence no. to point to anyway. No, that that's the that's the pro- the problem is that the Israelites are nomadic travelers at this point, so. And their whole time in the deserts that way, they didn't build any cities. They didn't have any permanent. I mean, they had the tabernacle, but they would pack that up and move it. Yeah. So. And their shoes didn't even wear out. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> so there wouldn't be leftover, not that that would last a few thousand years. Sandals in the desert, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and in fact, that's been a skeptical argument. Let's, let's explore that just for a second. You know, there hasn't been any evidence of all these people wandering through the desert. Uh, you know, you people are out to lunch and this whole Exodus thing. Well, what kind of evidence would you expect to find from people who are traveling through the desert, living as nomads in tents? Probably not much. Yeah. Yeah. So the logic of that is it doesn't really hold up very well. And so the likelihood of finding anything at a potential mountain is probably pretty slim to none, Mm -hmm. I would think. Mm -hmm. So, but that, you know, that's just the nature of it. You know, once the Israelites get into Canaan, Mm -hmm. And they start settling in and they start building cities. Now we've got infrastructure, pottery and architecture mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things that we can look for. But mm-hmm. the time in the desert, you know, we have nil for that. Yeah. So, and that's just the nature of the beast with that. Yeah. Another probably top 10, if not top five or of archaeological finds that people want to find or say they know where it is, is the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> and uh, you, I, I, you want me to reveal the secret today, Luke? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> no one's found it? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Indiana Jones, maybe. Yeah. Which really, uh, in, you yeah, know. Was, is Tanis, is that Tanis Egypt? Is that one of the candidates for possibility? Or? Well, you know, that's how they thread that story. Yeah. And it, and it is interesting. It has this historical kernel to it because uh, when Shishak attacked Jerusalem and uh, ransacked the temple. He went back to Tanis because he had a, um, uh, I think it was a capital there. I'm not sure, or headquarters of some kind there. Okay. So in the Indiana Jones story, they play off of that historical yeah. kernel. So there, there is a nugget there. Of There's the, a nugget. That's why they do the whole thing at Tanis yeah. where they find the, you know, yeah. where they, in, Indiana Jones finds the Ark. One other one, because I, I know I've, I've done the rabbit trail trying to figure out the theories and where people think it is. One of the other ones is that, well, it's under the temple mount, under the foundation stone. So the foundation stone is the stone where the temple was and now is the Dome of the Rock. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you can, I mean, you can see pictures online of underneath, there's, I guess there's a staircase under and then goes under the rock and there's like a, a prayer room that's got carpets there where Muslims go and pray. Um, yeah. But yeah. that one of the theories is, well, there's another chamber in there and that's where it was hidden. And I've actually seen some guy claims to have found it, 
you know, and it, but yep, maybe not, yep. it, maybe it went not under the foundation stone, but it was somewhere else. He found it in a cave, but then of course, so he's like, I know where it is, but there's no, but I can't get to it. Yeah. I um, can't show you. I know exactly I where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those things sort of excite the imagination, right? And then they, and then it seems with that kind of thing, especially the Ark of the Covenant, there's uh, all these different directions you go where people get excited. And then there's always this closed door. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, it seems like, so what is there, 30 different theories about the location or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, Gary Byers put a list together. It was like 26. I'm sure it's more than okay. that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, 26, you know, it's always a closed door. Even the Ethiopian church is said to have it. They claim to have it, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that right? You know something about I, I do that. know a little bit about it. Well, before we get to that, when, so, but, but doesn't actually the Bible, there is a point at which it, when it disappears, right? Jeremiah? I, I, something like that, but yes. it, it was so. It was it. It was around before, during the first temple period, but it seems to have gone missing around the time or before when Jerusalem was destroyed. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there is at least a historical kind of. It hasn't been seen since this point. Yeah. Yeah. So the rabbit trail kind of the breadcrumbs kind of end. Mm-hmm. So but I, I always thought that was interesting too, because so like the Ark of the Covenant was not in the temple when Jesus was would go to worship there. And yes. when the priests were there. And when At least Zach- as far as we know, anyway, yeah. right? That's the way it appears. Yeah. But that adds to the the big mystery because so it may have been purposely hidden because of the invasions that were coming to keep it safe. Yes. And then that adds to the, well, wonder what happened to it. And yeah. you were mentioning Ethiopia. So Ethiopia does have this long tradition that the Queen of Sheba, who visited so- King Solomon, they claim that you know, he, she became one of his wives and then Solomon gave or somehow to keep it safe to their son who then became one of the first kings of the Aksumite empire or something like that. But the Aksumite empire actually was around during the time of the Roman empire. And so the Ethiopian church has this long tradition of, well, we have the Ark of the Covenant and I've actually, I got the chance to, I visited Aksum and it's in the Church of Our Lady of Mary of Zion, they have this special chapel that is actually the most recent chapel that was built in the 50s. Then they've got this older one that was built in like the 1400s. And so we got to go in there. And I mean, it's an interesting structure because it's really old, but they pulled back the curtain and like, hey, this is the old Holy of Holies. We got a little tour um, by the monk. Yeah. The, or it was a deacon who was leading us around. And then there's an even older site that he was like, this is 1700 years old. This was the first place where it was. And then I think even before then, it w- I think it was in Lake Tana, which is another place in Ethiopia. But Ethiopia has a very long tradition of they've had it in their possession during that time. And now the chapel that houses it, there's only one monk who's allowed to go in. And he's the only one who can see it. No one else can get in. He can't come out. Or maybe he can come out, but just for yeah, periodic yeah. things. But like it's his sole duty to be you know, the monk that's dedicated to the ark. So no one, no one can verify it. Um, but it is a a fascinating compound and I, and I don't know of many of the other claims, but it, it, this one certainly seems to have the longest tradition. Yeah. And especially the entire Ethiopian Orthodox church has, I know that they have replicas of it in some of the other churches. So like they, every, if you practice, if you're part of the Ethiopian Orthodox church, which they even have some of their own scriptures that have extra books and some other things, but that's a part of their their grandeur yeah. tradition. And yeah. it's 
It's That's, really fascinating. It is. It is. It is fascinating. And and then again, though, there's a dead end, isn't there? Yeah. So we're trying to figure out, you know, is it is the Ark of the Covenant still around? And you have this tradition, so that's worth investigating. Like that's part of a trail of evidence that you would take into account yeah. if you're trying to figure it out. But then you run into this sort of, you know, thing. Oh, there's only one person that has, and we have it. Nobody else gets to see it. Well, what are you supposed to do with that? No, yeah. you, part of you goes, well, how do, how are we supposed to believe that? You know, like show us the money kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you want to have respect for their tradition. You know, they have. Yeah. Re- I'm sure they have reasons why they're They've claiming that. They've got something that. in there, you know, yeah. whether it's a replica or something else. Right, know. right. So it's fascinating. It's interesting. But it's a strange dead end. A little bit like Noah's Ark is too, the two arcs, right? Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, it keeps, it, it keeps you watching. Mm-hmm. You know, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> People but, dedicate a lot of time to a it. A lot of time to it, right? But you never quite get there. So, and it's not to say, obviously, we believe these things existed and they're recorded in the Bible correctly and all that. But as far as finding them goes, mm-hmm. we never seem to quite get there. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do with that? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we just keep on waiting. And realistically, with some of these things, we may never know. Stick around. Brian Wendell is going to be telling us about a recent archaeological discovery in the Bible Archaeology Report. Want more Digging for Truth? Then check out the Digging for Truth podcast with longer, more in-depth discussions about archaeology and biblical history. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Digging for Truth. It's time for some archaeology news. The Bible Archaeology Report is presented by Brian Wendell. Find the latest articles on recent archaeological discoveries at BibleArchaeologyReport.com. We've been talking a lot about discoveries that haven't been made or sometimes were even faked. Uh, And Brian, something was discovered super recently. I saw it come across my Facebook feed and it seemed like it really got a lot of people excited. What happened? Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty exciting announcement that happened in, in just in March 2023. A hiker at the Tel Lachish National Park discovered this potsherd, a little piece of pottery that had an inscription on it, and it was an Aramaic inscription that read "Year 24 of Darius." And of course, um, knowing that, we're able to figure out that that would be 498 BC. That period of time was a period when. Judah was under Persian control in the region known as uh, beyond the river, we're told, in Ezra 4.20. We also have that in Persian inscriptions as well. So we know that that was uh, a region. And uh, originally, scholars from the Israel Antiquities Authority authenticated the artifact and, uh, and believed it maybe served as a receipt for goods, possibly taxes. Sometimes those were paid in, in agricultural products. And so, so what was originally announced was that here was this first time ever that Darius's name, King Darius, the Persian king, uh, an inscription had been found with his name in Israel. So it made, it blew up everywhere. It made news everywhere, particularly right around the time of Purim that um, the Jewish people were celebrating. So that's awesome. But then I saw a couple of days later, it wasn't as awesome. What happened? Yeah, that was um, that was um, unfortunate, <laughs> especially for the IAA scholars who authenticated it. Someone saw the story and got in touch with the Israel Antiquities Authority. Apparently, what happened was a professor of archaeology 
was demonstrating to her students the Aramaic language and inscribed year 24 of Darius on a, on this potsherd, but then forgot it at the site of Lachish, uh, forgot it in this um, in this area where um, they did excavate a Persian-era administrative building in, in the city of Lachish, but forgot it there. And so when she saw this hit the news, she realized this was this thing that she had done. So it wasn't ancient at all. And it wasn't done maliciously either. I think that that needs to be stated clearly. This this professor was was just showing something to her students, honest mistake, forgot it there. But it's kind of a big problem because this made huge news all over the world. And there are some um, some people who authenticated it who uh, I don't know how, how you could do that with a, a modern inscription, but they did. So, yeah. We've been talking about this all, all throughout this this whole show, but what would be your takeaway like from this as a caution to future discoveries? What should we take away from this? Yeah, first of all, I think it shows us the importance of discoveries that are made in archaeological excavations where things are discovered in situ. That doesn't mean that there can't be discoveries made. Uh, occasionally things are found by hikers who are hiking um, and those kinds of things. But I think it highlights the importance of, of, uh, of finding something within a context. The second thing is I think that, I mean, it, it was just recently found and they seems to me that they rushed to the announcement so that they could um, get this out maybe in, in time for a particular holiday. And I think it, it speaks to the... Um, speaks to the importance of taking your time to study it and and test it and and have it looked at and peer reviewed. Um, this seems to be something that is is a rush to do it. Take your time, slow down, and um, and get it right. Cool. Thanks, Brian. No problem. So that's our big takeaway for today. Be cautious, everyone. When you see stuff like this come across the news, not everything is real. Not everything is fake news either. So just be cautious. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Digging for Truth is a presentation of the Associates for Biblical Research. To find out more about ABR, just go to BibleArchaeology.org.